الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين استقاموا بعد اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا ايها الذين امنوا اذكروا الله ذكرا كثيرا سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم There are many different ways that people have divided up and categorized Muslims in this world. One category you will find that people talk about believing or non-believing Muslims. Non-believing Muslim, what does that mean? <laughs> non-believing Muslim means that that is a Muslim who has been brought up on the deen of Islam, but they're a bit unsure, they have some doubts, some skepticism, at times they may fancy themselves to be an agnostic they're not really an agnostic sometimes they may even fancy themselves to be an atheist but they're not really an atheist so why am i saying they're not really an atheist because if you were to ask them to for example stand on the quran with their foot they wouldn't be able to do it they wouldn't be able to do it now why if they were an atheist that is any other book like any book and if somebody told you to do it you would do it So this is what we call the believing versus non-believing Muslim. The non-believing Muslim also doesn't many times believe in certain particular things. For example, sometimes they don't believe in the concept of hell. They think that everybody will go to heaven. Or there may be other particular specific things about deen of Islam, specific parts of Quran that they don't believe in. But otherwise we will still call them Muslim. So that's the first distinction believing and non-believing muslim. Second is uh practicing and non yeah, practicing and non-practicing muslim. Now that there are many ways you could characterize that. Let's take the most simple amal which is salah. You will find that there are some muslims who are fully believing muslims. They believe in all the tenets of faith, but they don't practice, they don't pray salah. and then you may have somebody who is a believing and a practicing muslim given this present company alhamdulillah all of us i think would fall under believing muslim and all of us are at least trying to, to fall under practicing muslim but now there's a third category and that is what just like you had believing and non-believing muslim you had practicing and non-practicing muslim there's a third way to look at it and that is feeling and non-feeling muslim So sometimes you have a person who is a believing muslim a practicing muslim but they are non-feeling unfeeling muslim what does that mean they believe in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala quran sayyidina rasulullah sallam jahannam jannah they believe in all of that but they don't feel it they don't feel it what does that mean that means if you were to pause them in the middle of their research in the middle of their lab in the middle of their clinic and ask them a pop question do you believe in jannat and jahannam they would say yes <laughs> they would not feel it they'd go right back to their work <laughs> their beliefs have not been able to affect their heart their beliefs have not been able to affect their emotions and their feelings so 100% they believe there's no doubt no skepticism they definitely believe there is jannah but they don't feel feelings of yearning for it they definitely believe there's a jahannam but they don't feel feelings of trepidation or fear of it they definitely believe that there is an allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but they don't feel feelings of love for him they don't feelings of feel feelings of fear of him 
They don't feel feelings of remembrance of him even when they are practicing. So first example I gave was if you catch them in the middle of their lab clinic lesson research, even if you catch them in the middle of their ibadat, if you pop them in their talawat, if you ask them in their salah, even during their ibadah, even inside ibadah, they're not able to feel feelings. What happens is that this is something that unless a person opens and up and stares in the eye, this is a situation that a person can keep going. And sometimes a person can spend years in the state that they are believing, they are practicing, but they are unfeeling, non-feeling Muslim. It doesn't mean that they're not a non-feeling human being. They have feelings. They have passions. He's just not passionate about Islam. Depends on the person. Maybe his passion is cricket. If the Indian team wins, you may see him leap out of his chair. He will have an emotional response. His passion may be football. Her passion may be something else. Right? But they have feelings. But they don't feel feelings about deen. They don't feel feelings about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's a big problem. Now what happens is that shaitan and the nafs, they have different tricks and different ploys for every type of Muslim. For this type of Muslim, who is believing and practicing, but non-feeling Muslim, what the shaitan and nafs wants to do is involve them in any type of Islam that will not change the situation. So involve them in intellectual Islam. Involve them in political Islam, involve them in organizational Islam, involve them in all types of commentaries, outlooks, philosophies, ideologies, reflections, analysis. Involve them in any and every type of Islam that will keep them unfeeling. That's the first effect, first attempt. So you will find maybe that this person uh, who is unable to feel feelings for Allah SWT, is not going to do anything to fix that. But they may go listen to a lecture, they may surf on the internet, they may research some obscure point of Islamic law, they may spend hours discussing some fine point of Islamic theology, and before and during and after all of those discussions and research and surfing, unfeelings throughout. Now let's take an example. Let's say a person was to physically lose their feelings. So what is that called? Let's say a person physically loses their entire feeling. That's called paralysis, right? Now imagine if you were to become unfeeling physically. Numb. Nothing in the world would matter to you. If you were to become paralyzed, your education, your degree, your intelligence, your looks, your family, whatever in the world you pride yourself in, whatever gives you happiness, comfort, joy, all of that would be erased. All those joys would come crashing down just because you have lost all physical feeling. And your entire then life from that moment onward would be spent trying to get a cure for this problem. How can I restore, regain my physical feeling? Now if that is how a person feels about physical feelings, then how much more critical is the case of that person who has lost all of their spiritual feelings, who has fallen into a state of spiritual paralysis? You know, sometimes if the doctor wants to check if you're physically numb, they will, you know, when we were kids, what they used to do is they used to take their hammer. I don't know if they still have their hammer, right? And they used to knock our knee, right? And see if there's a reflex. And if nothing happened, well, they get worried, right? Just like that, when we fall into sajda and nothing happens to our heart, we should get worried. We should get worried. 
those situations where the mu'min, the believing and practicing mu'min, the believing and practicing believer, when they find themselves in such situations where their heart should have melted, they should have felt feelings, and if they see they're not feeling, they should be very worried about that. For example, if you look at Sahaba Ikram, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu wa karamallahu waju, it is narrated about him that when he used to hear the very first beginning of Adhan, Isma Azam, Isma Jalala, Allah, of the first Allahu Akbar, his feelings would change. Feeling gone, heart is melted at the start. And you can imagine that person whose heart is already melted instantly at hearing the first Allah from the Allahu Akbar in Adhan, then all the other Allahu Akbar in Adhan, the Kalima in Adhan, all of the rest of Adhan, then entering into the Masjid, then making Wudu, then doing Takbir. By the time they go into Sajda, they are completely lost in the love for Allah SWT. And contrast that with us, even if we get a chance to hear Adhan, most of us are living in places where you can't hear Adhan most of the time, our heart doesn't get melted. We enter the masjid or masallah, heart doesn't get melted. We make wudu, heart doesn't get melted. We stand for salah, heart doesn't get melted. We start praying salah, heart doesn't get melted. We fall all the way into sadda and the heart is still not melted. So many knocks, <laughs> zero spiritual reflexes. Allahu hmm? Akbar. But even more tragic is we're completely unconcerned about this. Blithe, it's what we call, you know, blithe, foolish. It's a foolish joy. It's a false happiness. And we're happy. And I'm, you know, mashallah, I'm practicing Muslim, I'm a believing Muslim. Huh? I'm practicing Muslim, I'm a believing Muslim. We should look at it, I'm an unfeeling Muslim. Unfeeling. <laughs> What's the matter with me? Okay, maybe a person could say, okay, you know, that was just one prayer. Otherwise, the other four out of five, my heart was melted. No? Actually, if you look at us, all five, let's say the fully practicing Muslim, let's say in that sense of Salah, five out of five, he cannot have feeling. Seven out of seven days cannot have feeling. Months go by, he doesn't have feeling. She doesn't have feeling. Allah Akbar. Ajeeb. But unconcerned. Absolutely unconcerned. If you ask, if I were to take a survey before I start speaking, from the men and the women, that what are the things you would like to improve about your deen? So most people from this type of crowd would write all types of academic things. Or they may write some sins they want to leave. But I want to feel the feelings of Qur'an. I want my heart to be melted. Most of us don't even have that on our list. It's not even our aspiration. We're not even worried about that. It's not even on our horizon. This is what Allah SWT described in Qur'an as ghafla. Ghaflat means this person is heedless, mindless, careless. But it really means what really ghaflat means. And normally you won't not see this in the English translation of Quran, but if you ask me, really what ghaflat means, it means this person is heartless. That's what the English translation of ghaflat would be. It means that this person is heartless. And we can prove it from Quran. Allah SWT says in Quran, that you should not follow that person. Man, not follow any such person. Who we have made his spiritual heart 
ghafil of our zikr, of our remembrance. So what does that mean? It means that person, they become heartless. Their heart has become emptied, emptied of what? Of the most precious thing that was supposed to be in that heart. That is called the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there's ghafilin, word in Quran. And there's zakirin, also word in Quran. And there's no third category. Each and every one of us, even if we're mu'mineen, even if we're muslimin, got it? Even if we're believing and practicing Muslims. But we will definitely be either ghafilin or we will be zakirin. It's our choice. It's up to us how we want to live our life. And even you be amazed, even students of zikr, so-called formal students of dhikr, even they are in ghafla. They've taken tasawwuf or tazkiyah or ihsan as just as a name, as a membership, as a card, as a badge, as an identity, as spiritual tourism. Yes, <laughs> spiritual tourism to Turkey and to Yemen. Mashallah. Right? Sufi Sab is going over to Turkey and to Yemen. He goes unfeeling, he comes back unfeeling. Didn't understand. <laughs> Didn't want to make the real effort. <laughs> the early Muslims, they were feeling, feeling. Allah Akbar, so much feelings. And you know why that's so important? Because very simple. I'm going to tell you a very simple equation. Very simple. The more you feel about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the more Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will feel for you. And the less you feel about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the less Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will feel for you. That's simple. Allah ta'ala has given it to us. We say in Urdu, you know, translate in English, in Urdu, ki ishki bazi khela. That you have to play this game of love with Allah subhanahu wa You should enter into this relationship with love for Allah subhanahu wa But first you must profess your love. First you must show your love. So yes, we mentioned in Jummah, you begin as the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa But you will only feel that when you become His lover. You can have Iman in that because it's in Quran. You hibbahum. We can, our belief is that Allah Ta'ala loves us. How many people feel like that, that Allah Ta'ala loves me? Like we say, you know, in New York English, can you feel the love, brother? Huh? Can you feel it? <laughs> if you can't feel it, doesn't mean that there's no, you know, in America they say that if there's a relationship and there's, and you feel distance in any relationship, then there's only two possibilities. Either you pulled back from the other party or the other party pulled back from you. So the other party never ever pulls back from us when that other party is Allah subhanahu That a'lan proclamation of Allah in Quran fa'inni kareeb that is azali abadi that is pre-eternal, post-eternal. Nothing can change that. Even our sins can't change that. فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ is not just for muttaqeen, muhsineen, sadiqeen, siddiqeen. فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ that indeed I'm intimately close to you is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's promise and pledge and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's reality for all mu'mineen just because of the iman. In other words, once you are a believing Muslim 
and on top of that, more or less are practicing Muslim, then it's just so in your reach to become a feeling Muslim. Now even I don't know that Urdu well enough, but an Urdu poet has phrased this in a way, that the traveler on the journey, what a tragedy and sorrow it is, that he makes all the effort, all the hardship, all the duress, and travels and travels and travels, but then falls short of his destination. What a tragedy that would be. Right? We would feel that way, almost, right? If we came and we drove and drove and drove and drove and drove, and then one ten it would, I don't know, whatever is next to Cambridge we ended up in. I don't know what the names were. We saw Northampton, Kitterfield. What a shame that would be. We'd feel so sad, right? That we did all that effort and we didn't reach there in time. That's a tragedy. So a person made all the effort, became a believing Muslim. And then on top of that, more or less became a practicing Muslim. But unable to become a feeling Muslim. Oh. That's why actually the most important thing for us is to learn the feelings of Quran. Most important. More important than any, you know, Akida intensive. Right? Love this stuff in the UK. Master, I think you had once in Cambridge also. No, that fellow's not here. Right? Akida intensive. This is where you start. And you will be taught the words and the names Ashari, Maturidi, Hanbali, Athari, Salafi, Oshabash. <laughs> you need Quranic Imam intensive that first you have to feel feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because all of those people were people who felt feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you know what? They all felt the same feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The different way they would express those feelings, that was the difference between them. That's the real understanding. <laughs> So how they expressed it is irrelevant for a person who is not yet able to feel those feelings. So we should try to first feel the feelings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That can only be done through dhikr. Whether it's dhikr inside our salah, whether it's dhikr inside our du'a, whether it is dhikr inside our talawat of Qur'an, whether it's a separate type of dhikr, whether it is background dhikr 24 hours a day, whether it is dedicated mustaqil, Dhikr in solitude, reflection upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the only way to get those feelings is by doing the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. By doing the ibadat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Until and unless we do that dhikr, we will remain unfeeling. Just like it's impossible to understand tafsir of Qur'an without ayat. It's impossible to understand sunnah of Nabi salam without riwayat. Just like that, it is impossible to feel the feelings of Asan without Zikr. Impossible. Just like that person, the more and more and more and more they study Riwayat, the more and more and more they will get Ilm of the Sunnah. Just like the more and more and more they read about Tafsir, they will get more Ilm of Quran. Just like that, the more and more and more a person does Zikr, the more and more they will get feelings about Allah SWT. And then, of course, it works the other way. The less and less and less zikr a person does, the less they will have feelings for Allah SWT. That's why in Quran, when Allah SWT described the munafiqeen, and he specifically in this ayah described their salah, because they used to come, it was part of the act. It was part of being an imposter believer that you had to pray, right? So outwardly, they were believing Muslim. Outwardly, they were practicing Muslim. How does Allah Ta'ala describe them in Quran? La yadhkuruna Allaha illa qalila. This ayah is about their salah. That inside their salah, they're not able to feel feelings of remembrance for Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala 
except a little bit. So one is then a lot of feelings, that's Zakirin. One is a little feeling, that's Munafikin. And then there's us, zero feelings. <laughs> Means we're even lower. Even lower than Munafikin. Allah Akbar How can you test this? So for example, when you have a lot of feelings for something, if you miss it, you get very sad. Some people have a lot of feelings for their morning cup of coffee. Huh? Or their morning tea, or their morning Danish or donut, whatever it is. Now, if they miss it, if they're running late for class, they have to go to class, and on the way to class, they pass by that Costa coffee. The hasrat, you know, the yearning with which they look at that whole cup, they devour the coffee store with their eyes. And the second they're done from class, so that's the second sign that you want to know that you have feeling for something. The second sign is that the second you have free time, the second you have an opportunity, you will go for that thing that you crave. In fact, you will try to create the opportunity to acquire and obtain the thing that you crave. So what will that student do? The second he leaves class, somebody will talk to him and say, no, look, i got to go get my cup of coffee. I'm going to talk to you later. Right? I have to go get my cup of coffee. Allah Akbar. Why? Because he has feelings for that. Look at us. If we miss Fajr Salah, don't have feelings. No sadness at all whatsoever. Not even this much sadness. It's not talking about something nafil, something optional, something occasional. A fard ibadah. You know like what is fard for students like your exam. Imagine you missed your annual exam, your tripos. I would love to see the tears that come from your eyes then. The sorrow that would come. Hmm? But when they miss fajr, Nothing. In fact, so much so that when the student misses Fajr, so he wakes up, let's say, and these days it takes a Herculean effort to miss Fajr in England because Fajr, mashallah, even with the hour coming down, still lasts quite long, 7.10 probably, you could probably be Fajr until then. So let's say they miss it, they wake up at 7.45. Now they have two choices. They woke up late. Either they could go make wudu and they could pray salah and make tada immediately in a relaxed way or they can have the morning breakfast they can't do both now because they got class at 8.30 9 out of 10 students pick the morning breakfast 9 out of 10 of believing practicing but non-feeling Muslims they pick the morning breakfast and they tell themselves well, how am I going to how am I going to survive in the day how am I going to study in class I'll make the fajr I can make that up later they don't even make it up later. Okay, after the class, do they go first thing? Do they come here? Do they pray that fajr? Do they make it up? No. Well, they can do it even later. When they get home, after the day, 5, 6, 7 p.m., is it the first thing they do? No. They will check their internet, their email, their SMS, so I could do it even later. But next thing you know, they've already gone to sleep. <laughs> already gone to sleep. And not only did they have that breakfast in the morning, they had their lunch and they had snack and they had tea and they had dinner. They did all of that. Now what do you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala feels about that Muslim? Hmm? What do you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala feels about that Muslim? Many times it's a very frequent question we get from people that how can I be regular in my fajr? So sometimes one way we answer that is that we shouldn't think that why am I not able to wake up for Fajr 
what should we we should instead think is that why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not wish to see my face at Fajr? Allah Akbar. Not that why do I not wake up for Fajr? Why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want to see me at Fajr? See? And you know when we miss a farz like that, so we also make a misunderstanding. We think we miss a two-minute prayer. No. We should think that the second Fajr started, Allah Ta'ala was looking at us. And for that entire one and a half hour that we could have prayed to Him, for the entire one and a half hour, Allah Ta'ala was watching us. So we should actually view it that I disobeyed Allah Ta'ala for one and a half hours. Not that I just disobeyed Him for two minutes. I disobeyed Allah Ta'ala for one and a half entire hours. Allah. So when would this change? Only and only when we become people of feeling. Only when we become people of feeling. Another example I'll give you that many times students ask, that how can I leave sin? I have such and such a habit. For some it may be TV, for some it's movies, for some it's other things. I have such and such a habit. How can I leave sin? So Allah SWT has explained clearly in Quran that again, only the person who feels feeling will be able to leave sin. Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, مَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ وَنَهَا النَّفْسَ عَنَ الْخَوَى وَنَهَا النَّفْسَ عَنَ الْخَوَى means that that person is able to stop their nafs from following its desires. Who is going to be able to do that? مَنْ Every single person who has the feeling خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ Every single person who has the feeling of fear and awe and reverence for the might and majesty and status of Allah SWT. We don't have that feeling. We are the fearless believers. We have a new type of believer today. Fearless. Fearless. You know, some people they say, but you know, but Allah Ta'ala is all merciful. Right? Allah Ta'ala is all merciful. So what did Allah Ta'ala say in Quran? In Quran, مَنْ خَشِيَ الرَّحْمَانَ بِالْغَيْرِ That that person who is humbled out of fear, who does he fear? Ar-Rahman. <laughs> He knows that Allah SWT is all-merciful and precisely at that moment when he reflects at the mercy of Allah SWT, precisely at that moment when they are conscious of the fact that Allah Ta'ala is Al-Rahman, Khashia, Khashia, they feel fearful of Al-Rahman. Now imagine that Quranic mu'min, that heart that feels fear when they reflect on Allah Ta'ala's attribute as Al-Rahman, imagine what's going to happen to that heart if they reflect on Allah Ta'ala's attribute as Al-Aziz, or Al-Jabbar, or Al-Mutakabbir, or Al-Azim, or Al-A'la, what would happen to that heart? That's Quranic heart. That's the heart Allah Ta'ala wants. How many of us can say we have that heart? That has those feelings? We have our own ideas, our own feelings, our own personality. And we just want to feel those feelings. And we have fearless personality. So first was heartless, ghafla, and second now is fearless. Allah Akbar. Heartless, fearless mu'min? Is that possible? Should that not be the biggest oxymoron in the deen of Islam? The biggest contradiction in the deen of Islam? We are living, breathing such people. Allah Akbar. And that's why sometimes, you know, and we can see we're shaking you up a little bit, right? 
But we need to be shaken up. We need to be shaken up. We need to snap out of it. We're too fond of ourselves. There's another thing. All of us, all of the educated Muslims, we have so much ujub. You know, ujub is a particular word in Arabic. There are these three words now, ujub, kibber, and takambur. Now, kibber, let's start with kibber. Kibber means pride, arrogance, right? Kibber means that that person thinks that I'm better. Takabur means it's something even more intense. It's kibber plus one extra thing. Takabur means that that person thinks that I am better, and on top of that, because they think they are better, they view or treat someone else as lower or worse to them. They view and or treat somebody as inferior to them. It's an act, it's an amal. Then there's this other word called ujub. Now, ujub is actually lighter than kibber and tukumbar. But ujub is also more widespread. Ujub is what in English we would call vanity or conceit. Love of the self. We are too busy loving our own self to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How many times we look in the mirror and look at the ujub. We love ourselves. We love our eyebrow. We love our nose shape. We love our smile. We love our profile. We love it. <laughs> we love the way the watch looks on our wrist. We love the way the bracelet looks on our wrist. We love it. So much ujub. Allah Akbar. Heartless, fearless, and now vain and conceited. Mu'mineen. Mu'mineen. Allah Akbar Kabira. And because of that ujub, what's the most ujub that we have, relevant to what I was saying earlier, is that we have ujub over our feelings. We don't want to feel the feelings that Allah Ta'ala wants us to feel for Him. We want to feel the feelings that we think we should feel, what we like to feel. I like this, and I like that, and I want to be like this, and I want to be like that. Allah Akbar. Is that an ab? Malana Rum Ramtalin is Masnavi, he writes many hikayat, stories, parables. Whether they may or may not be exactly true, there's some level of fiction in them, but they are dramatized versions, let's put it that way in modern language, dramatized versions of real life events in order to teach us something. So he talks about Harun Rashid, and Harun Rashid had a khadim, had a royal attendant by the name of Ayaz, and Ayaz shows up. And then Ayaz is asked that, oh, you know, what do you do? And he tells the king, I do whatever you command me to do. And says, what do you eat? And it says, I eat whatever you feed me to eat. And what do you wear? It says, I wear whatever you clothe me in. Oh, means I've erased myself. Erased myself. I have no hisi, I have no, mm, I have no weight, no import, I'm of no value. You and everything to do with you has value, and me and everything to me is, and everything related to me is insignificant. That's actual deen of Islam. That's actual deen of Islam. And we're totally the other way around. Me, myself, and I, Islam. <laughs> what I want, what I think, what I feel, it should all be taken into account. I have value. I have meaning. I'm an intelligent person. What do you mean my opinion doesn't carry any weight? Hmm? Then Ayaz, we can tell you some stories of Ayaz since we started. So 
So Ayaz, because he was like that, he was so beloved to the king. Most beloved attendant to the king. So what happened, now this is another thing, but that my wife will speak to the sisters about more later. But the other attendants, they felt envy for Ayaz. Jealous. Why does the king like Ayaz? And what was the reason there, Ujjab? What does it mean? They thought that, look, we're more skilled, more capable, more dynamic, more educated, from better lineage. All of them thinking different things. Why does he like Ayaz? And even Iblis and different ulama have discussed this differently. Some say his first sin was Takambur. Some say his first sin was Hasad. Some say his first sin was actually Ujjab. First he loved himself. Then, therefore, he viewed himself as greater than Adam Islam. Then, therefore, he was jealous of Adam Islam getting that privilege. So where did it all begin? It all began, Shaykh Ashraf Ali Tanvi, said, that Ujub is the core sin. The last sin to leave a person, he writes. The very last thing you can take out is Ujub. Jeep. So they all got jealous. And they kept trying to plot and machinate. And then one day they just confronted the king outright. And they accused the king of favoritism, to put it in modern terms. That he is your favorite. Huh? And it's not merit-based. I'm putting it in not Malona Rum's language, I'm putting it in your language. That this is he's, his favoritism going on. And it's not merit-based. So then the king decided to make an example to show them the merit. So what did he do? Right, He took a big diamond from his treasures. And he brought in, he called all the attendants, and he took a big hammer. And he went to each one of them and said, break this diamond. And the first one, he said, oh king, this is your treasure, and it befits your majesty's grace, and to have this diamond, and oh, etc. He got out of it. Then second one, everyone gave an answer like that, thinking that they were giving the right answer. Give the diamond to Ayaz at the end, give him the hammer, break this diamond. Smashed it. Ayaz took the hammer, instantly smashed the diamond to pieces. Now all the other attendants thought, finally, now it's been proven that he's the most foolish attendant. And now the king will realize that we are much more intelligent, much more capable, that we have the king's interest at heart, and this person is a fool. So the king then asked Ayaz, Ayaz, didn't you hear what all of these other people said? That the diamond is priceless, the diamond is valuable, the diamond belongs in your treasures. Why did you break it? He said, O king, when you told me this, I had two choices in front of me. First choice was I could smash this diamond, which is indeed priceless and valuable and belongs in your treasures. Second choice, I could smash your command. I could break your command. So when I chose, can I break the diamond or can I break your rules? I said to me, your command and your rules are even more priceless than the diamond. I smashed the diamond. Allahu Akbar. The king showed the attendants, this is why Ayaz is favorite. <laughs> it is merit-based. It is merit-based. It wasn't bias. It was a merit-based favoritism. Feeling. Feeling. And Malala Ramta uses the story to explain the feeling of an abd. What is ubudiyya? What is servanthood and servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That means to feel that Allah ta'ala's wishes, Allah ta'ala's commands, Allah ta'ala's pleasures... Allah Ta'ala's desires are not just infinitely superior, it's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters. There's not even any question of comparing two things. Allah matters and I'm insignificant. Even Allah Ta'ala in the beginning of Quran is trying to teach us this feeling. Alhamdulillah. 
Normally it's transcendent that all praise is for Allah. Sometimes it's transcendent that every single praise, all praises are for Allah. Only for Allah. Sometimes it's transcendent that praise itself befits only Allah. Actually the loose translation is Allah is everything and I am nothing. No ujub. Allah Ta'ala in the first line is trying to take out ujub. I have nothing praiseworthy inside me. I am not worthy of any praise at all. Allah, Allah, Allah subhanahu wa alone, He is worthy of praise. But where are we going to get that feeling from? <laughs> All of us believe that Alhamdulillah is an ayah of Fatiha. All of us practice and we say Alhamdulillah, how many times a day? How many of us have ever felt the feeling of the meaning of Alhamdulillah? Unfeeling. Unfeeling. You know, like if somebody is sick, and you give them some food, they can't taste it. And then if you give them something that is extremely sweet, overly sweet, and they still tell you it seems bland to me, then our doctor friends would say that he's extremely sick. Something is wrong. He's lost an entire sense, which is his sense of taste. That person who can recite Quran al-Kareem and not feel its sweetness inside Salah, when in wudu, when in... Ayam, they've lost also a sense <laughs> and a sense that is much more priceless than the sense of taste they've lost their sense of alb they've lost their ability to feel feelings about Allah SWT, their ability to feel feelings for Allah SWT. so for those of you who came we were talking about that there's the believing Muslim, the practicing Muslim but the question is, is that, is that believing and practicing Muslim also a feeling Muslim? Or is that believing and practicing Muslim an unfeeling Muslim? Unable to feel the feelings for Allah SWT. So these feelings for Allah SWT, they're only going to come through the zikr of Allah SWT. In whatever form and ibadah that zikr may take place. Any ibadah that is done empty of zikr of Allah SWT, means it will be empty of feelings for Allah SWT. That's simple. You know there's a hadith about a nafil prayer and that is known as Salatul Ishraq. Accepted hadith from all quarters and all movements. That is a nafil prayer that if you sit in your place, and it's an interesting thing, that if you remain seated wherever you prayed Salatul Fajr and you remain seated in that place, and then when the sun has risen, let's say 15 to 20 minutes, that's not the words of the hadith, it's written one spear's length, which is 15 to 20 minutes, and you pray some nafil prayer to Allah SWT. Right? This is no salat al-shraq. So the question then the muhaddithin raises is that why does it say that you should remain seated in your place? So then one muhaddith, he explained it like this, Ajit. He said that actually when you pray salah to Allah SWT, you are turning towards Him. When you turn towards Allah SWT, Allah SWT turns towards you. When you say your salam, it does not befit the karam of Allah SWT, does not befit His generosity and grace that He should turn away from you. Even if you had said salam, He remains looking at you. Allahu means you are in the spotlight when you pray salam. And even after you say salam, you remain in the spotlight you only lose the spotlight when you get up and you walk away. Those who are ulama, you can think of khiyari majlis and khiyari bay. This is the type of a'raz. That when the 
Musalli, when the person who prays gets up and leaves, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then turns away. So simply by saying the salam and sitting there, what does that mean? What were the sahaba doing? They were basking in that. They were soaking it up. After they used to pray salah, their feelings. You see, when we pray salah, we jet. It says one salam with the next salam, they're already moving. It's like, uh, you know, the runner is the false start. They said one, two, three, and he's already moving. Huh? That's what the Muslim is like today. In the second salam, they're already moving. Allahu Akbar. Sahaba Ikram, they felt the feelings. They felt we're in the spotlight of Allah subhanahu wa They felt, Azkurukum, they were doing, Fadkuruni, Allah said, remember me. Azkurukum, Allah says, I will remember you. Sahaba felt it, they couldn't get up. They would say salam, they would sit. They were enjoying, reveling, basking in that spiritual feelings. Allahu Akbar Kabir. We haven't even been able to pray one salah like that. Don't get me wrong, you have feelings. There are other things you do that you enjoy the after effect, the lingering pleasure, the aftertaste. Huh? One spoon of chocolate ice cream and then you can put the spoon down and you can just savor it. Huh? Sahaba Ikram were people used to savor their salah. They would say their salam and end their salah and they would sit there and they would savor it. Being in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There were people who felt the feeling as salatu mi'raj al-mu'min. Oh, enjoy. They used to enjoy it. They used to enjoy salah like me and you enjoy ice cream. <laughs> yes? They used to enjoy salah like me and you enjoy ice cream. Me and you enjoy every single spoon of ice cream. You could be on your 10,000th lifetime spoon of chocolate ice cream. You will still enjoy it. That's how they were like in salah. They could never get enough of it. Five further prayers. What was that to them? They were praying sunnah, praying nawafil, salatul ishraq, salatul duha, salatul awabin. They were praying tahajjud, qiyamul layl, half the night, one-third of the night, two-thirds of the night, all of the night. Tahiyatul Masjid, Tahiyatul Wudu, Salatul Istikhara, Salatul Hajjah, Salatul Tasbih. They couldn't get enough of it. Now I'll tell you even further, every single Salah for them was like a new flavor of ice cream. Every single Rukan was like another flavor of ice cream. Allah Ta'ala says in Surah Rahman, Kulla yawmin huwa fi sha'an. Every single day Allah Ta'ala manifests Himself in a new splendor. And those mu'mineen who are like awliya, siddiqeen, sadiqeen, they feel that splendor. They can see that different splendor. Allahu Akbar. They feel feelings of Qur'an. They can feel it. We can translate that verse. We can recite the verse and we can translate the verse. That's what type of Muslims we are. The best of us are people of recitation and people of translation. Meaning... They were Muslims of feeling. Every day they experientially felt the meaning of Kulla Yawmin Huwa Fi Sha'an. Imagine every Sajda new flavor. Hmm? Ajeeb. That's why they kept praying more and more and more. It's not like they forced themselves to get up for Tajjud. They're not like us. Forcing themselves, setting five alarms, having to constantly remind themselves of how it's a great thing to do. Not like that. Not like that. They enjoyed it. They didn't need any reminder or prompt or egging on. Not like that. And when they used to stand, they couldn't stop. And that's why it comes in Quran half the night, two thirds. They just couldn't stop. 
And can you imagine these people who were so tired, otherwise they work so hard in the day. This was the opposite. We are fresh and you start praying Salah, you get sleepy. <laughs> They're the other way around. They may have been sleepy from a hard day's work, but when they stood on the Musalla, they became fresh. Allah Akbar. Feelings, feelings. They like to say in English, mind over matter. Sabakram, heart over matter. Heart over matter. Their feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala eliminated. Forget any feeling of tiredness, fatigue, finished. That's why it comes in hadith that Sayyidina Rasulullah mm-hmm. said that one of the most beloved people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that person who travels in the group and then they arrive at that destination and then everybody in that group is so tired and they go to sleep. This person, they stand on the musalla and they pray to their Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh, beloved, beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are words in Quran and Hadith. Mahboob, Ahabba. These are words. Man Ahabba Allah. Allah Akbar Kabir. Ahabba Al-A'mali Indallah. Actually, that's the feeling. The number one feeling we've lost. We've lost the feeling of desire to become the Mahboob of Allah Subhanahu We've lost that feeling. The feeling of wanting to become the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the number one feeling. One of the number one feelings. The feeling of wanting to become the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The more and more dhikr that you do, the more you will have this feeling. Why? Because the more and more dhikr that you do, you will start getting a taste of this feeling. You see when Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, فَذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ Remember me, I will remember you. Now, we may remember Allah Ta'ala in a very inadequate way, a very weak way, with our mind is astray, stray thoughts, random thoughts, what we call naqiz dhikr. But Allah Ta'ala, when He does azkurkum, when He remembers us, He will remember us kama yuliku sha'nuhu as befits His majesty. And He is kamil, He is perfect. He is absolute. So when He remembers us, He will remember us in an absolute perfect way. So even if our transmissions to Allah SWT may be weak, may be inadequate, may be faulty, there may be all types of interference in that transmission, when Allah SWT transmits His azkurkum to our qalb, like Allah Ta'ala says in the Quran, مَن يُؤْمِن بِاللَّهِ يَهْدِي قَلْبُهُ Allah Ta'ala sends the nur of hidayah onto the calm, the spiritual heart of that person. The person will feel it. Sooner or later you will feel it. If you do it a lot, you will definitely feel it. It will be impossible not to feel it. Impossible not to feel it. This is why Imam Ghazali, Ta'ala, when he went through that whole spiritual crisis of faith of his, what got him out? This. The two crises of faith. Both of them he got out from this. The first one he says that Allah Ta'ala cast a nur into my sadr. Here, same, similar thing like Allah Ta'ala cast a nur of his into my breast. What does it mean? He felt it. He felt Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's transmission to him. And then second crisis he got out, he also got that through doing zikr. He went on a journey. It's a long story. But he spent a lot of time doing the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then eventually he felt it. When you feel that, when you feel the feeling of Al-Qurkum, when you feel that feeling that Allah Ta'ala is doing zikr of you, then you are now past any, any chance of agnosticism or atheism or skepticism or doubt. You have yaqeen. You felt Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Nothing in the world can shake you. And then when you build that yaqeen, you strengthen your yaqeen, then you will have ubudiyya. 
then you will become a servant and slave to that master who you know to be true, who you know to be real. And you know that master to be loving and interested in you. A person would be touched. Aren't we touched in this world? If somebody who we think has some authority or some rank or some status or some stature, he takes an interest in us or she takes an interest, we get touched. We get touched. If your dean says, oh, Abdullah, oh, the dean knows my name. Oh, right? The professor remembered my name. Maybe, maybe I'll get that postdoc. Huh? Maybe. Huh? Don't you realize that Allah Ta'ala knows you? Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala has noticed you and me. Can you believe it? Allah Akbar. When you think about this world that Allah Ta'ala has made, you just I was just hearing this. I, I may quote it wrong, but from what I remember hearing that there are 150 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy and there are 400 billion galaxies in the universe. Allah Akbar. 150 billion stars, one of which is the sun, in the Milky Way galaxy, and 400 billion galaxies in the known universe. You can In the known universe. And in all of that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is interested in a little old me. That's all of us should feel. Ajeeb? Out of all of that, now Allah ta'ala also says in Quran, that there is nothing in all of that known and unknown universe except that it does the dhikr and tasbih and hamd it remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of all of those things that are remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only one has been given the shart of azkurkum only one has been honored and grace that Allah ta'ala says in Quran that I will remember you back and that is insani mu'min that when, when the planets and whatever animals and all the creation does their dhikr, about none of them does Allah Ta'ala say in Quran that He does dhikr of them. It's only and only insan, a mu'min, the believing human being, that when they, like every other thing in the universe, does the dhikr of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala for the insan, a mu'min, Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, Al-Qurkum, I will do dhikr of you. Oh, Merkamina. And becoming the mazkur of Allah SWT, becoming an object of Allah Ta'ala's remembrance, that's not optional. That's not optional. It's not for us to open up the books of fiqh and say, okay, zikr is nafil. Zikr may be nafil. But in terms of the feelings, that's in terms of law. In terms of the feeling of our heart, is it optional for us to become the beloved of Allah SWT? I don't think anybody could view that as an optional. Optional means I can opt in or I can opt out. Who would opt out of being... How can a mu'min opt out of becoming the mahboob of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How could a mu'min opt out of becoming the madhkur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? It's not possible for us. It should not be possible. But that's exactly what we've done. Believing, yes. Practicing, yes. Feeling Muslim, opt out. Opt out. Unfeeling. Unfeeling. Even those who pride ourselves and our supposed adab and akhlaq, we don't have the feeling. Let's say a feeling of sabr. Sabirin. You know, sabirin. One is sabr. Is to have. Sabr means patience, endurance, fortitude, strength, perseverance, resolve. All of this means sabr. Some of us, yes, there may be certain instances in our life in which we had sabr. Sabirin are those people who always have sabr. 
So we call Sigha Sifat, it means inseparable attribute. They are living Sabr. They are Sabr incarnate. They are Sabir. Always have Sabr. How many of us can say we're like that? Never ever do I get irritated. Never ever do I get annoyed. Nobody can instigate me. The worst traffic in the world will leave me unfazed. Nothing can disturb me. I have Sabr. Somebody can cut me off and I'll just smile. Sabr. Somebody can betray me. I will smile. Sabr. Somebody will be disloyal to me. I can smile. Sabr. I will discover that so-and-so said XYZ about me. I can smile. Sabr. I can discover that so-and-so spreads lies, namima, slander about me. I can smile. Sabr. How many of us can say we have that? Hmm? We pride ourselves on our adab and akhlaq. Quran, Quran has shown the true feelings of other and akhlaq. And again, what did we lose? What did we lose? Inna Allah ma'asabirin. We lost Allah SWT. Achieve Allah SWT. For the reward of sabr, Allah Ta'ala could have said, indeed, jannat will be for them. Falah will be for them. Itminan will be for them. Sukoon will be for them. No. Allah Ta'ala said, Inna Allah. Allah SWT will be with them and for them. They will do sabr with ghayrullah. They will get Allah. Allah Akbar. Ya Allah. They will do sabr with ghayrullah. And they will get Allah SWT. We're losing. We're losing out. The years are going by. Years. Years are going by. If you were to lose out on even one year of your studies, it would hurt you. It would hurt you. If I said your MBBS is going to take seven instead of six years, it would kill you. If I said, oh, you got the postdoc, but you're going to have to take it one year later, you're going to be farak for one year, one year delay, it will cripple you. Hmm? And we're losing years, years in delaying and getting the feelings of Islam. It doesn't bother us at all. It doesn't to be bothered. You have to feel feelings. Feel the feelings of Quran. Feel the feelings of Islam. We should not be content being practicing, believing, practicing, but unfeeling Muslim. We should flee from this. We should work day and night for this. So now the last thing I will say, which is a bit more practical, right? You fellows may be thinking that we have received Dr. Bakarata. I have scolded you too much today. (laughs) Some practical things. If there's anything, I'll tell you just one practical piece of advice. And it's not just for dhikr, not just for sabr, for anything in deen. If you want to get that thing in deen, it can be dhikr, it can be love for Allah subhanahu wa fear for Allah subhanahu wa sabr, tawakkul. There are three things. It's very simple. Three things you have to do. Number one, you must make effort for it. Nothing is going to come to you without effort. Nothing. insani illa ma No human being will have anything. Unless they strive for it, they make effort for it. You're not going to get it sitting like that. You're not even going to get it just by praying five times a day. You won't. You won't get that sabr just like that. Whatever you want, you won't get that feeling, you won't get that zikr, you won't get that love for the spontan. You have to make effort for it. You have to work for it. You have to try for it. That is why then, in the history of Islam, people used to go to people who would push them, goad them. Don't you see the athletes of this world, if they want to become number one, what do they they have to have a coach? If you're a tennis player and you want to excel, you want to achieve, you want to attain, you want to be number one, 
You have to have a coach. Even they're better than their coach at tennis. <laughs> Actually, they would defeat their coach in straight sets if they played the coach. <laughs> but they want, they need somebody to push them, egg them, goad them, remind them, incite them. Only then do they know to try for it. They know if they don't have the coach, they'll stop trying for it. Second thing, first thing is you have to try for it. Second thing is you have to pray for it. You have to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa Because actually these things are not within the reach of our effort. Our effort is actually going to attract Allah Ta'ala's mercy on us. And then He will bestow these things on us. It's a whole separate topic. But this is what is called kasb and wahab in Islam. Kasb means what you are able to do and attain and acquire on the basis of your own effort. And wahab is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestows on you. 0.000001% is our effort. 99.99999% is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's bestowal. But that 99.999% wahab is going to come when we do our 0.001% effort. So we have to pray for it. Pray for those feelings every single day and every single night. Allah Ta'ala put the feelings of Qur'an in my heart, put the feelings of zikr in my ibadah, put the feelings of sabr and adab and akhlaq in my relations. So you have to try for it and you have to pray for it. And number three, which is the real tragedy. The real tragedy isn't even that we don't, we stop trying. The real tragedy isn't even that we stop praying. The real tragedy is that we stop doing number three, and number three is that you have to want it. You have to want it. We stopped wanting it. That's what I meant by unfeeling. We stopped wanting it. We no longer want it anymore. If you start wanting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah ta'ala starts wanting you. Allah Akbar. That person who Allah ta'ala wants, Allah Akbar Kamira. Nothing, nothing can keep him away from him. That's what Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, أُولَٰئِكَ الْمُقَلَّبُونَ That they are those people who Allah has drawn near to them. مُقَلَّب, not مُقَلِّب. مُقَلَّب, they are those people who Allah Ta'ala has drawn near to Him. So if we start wanting Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will start wanting us. The easiest, lightest, most basic way to start is start remembering Allah Ta'ala فَذْكُرُونِي Allah Ta'ala will start remembering you أَذْكُرْكُمْ وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين. What time is mother? We have ten minutes. Okay. And if you have ten minutes, then I'm going to tell you two more practical things. I'm going to teach you two types of dhikr. Two types of dhikr that anyone and everyone can do. Two types of zikr. First is that type of zikr that you need to do when you're not doing ibadah. If you look at us, although it would have befitted Allah Ta'ala's majesty that we should spend our whole life in ibadah, but Allah Ta'ala hasn't decreed that. He's fine if we don't do that. So we spend our life in our jobs, our studies, our careers, our offices, our libraries. 90% of our time is outside of ibadah, right? Okay. We have to learn a way to do dhikr along with that. While in the lab, while in the library, while in the classroom. That is the dhikr Allah Ta'ala mentioned in Quran. رِجَالًا لَا تُلْهِيهِمْ تِجَارَةٌ وَلَا بَيْءٌ عَنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ That there are such people that even the most intense worldly activity, even pursuit of the mundane material world, 
through trade and commerce, even that cannot distract him from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What type of remembrance was that? It can't be zikr of the tongue, because when they're doing trade and commerce, they're buying, selling, negotiating, trading, they're on three phones, right? If you see the tradesman of today, he's got two, three phones. No, it's zikr of the heart. What does this mean? Very simply, it means that no matter what you may be doing, don't lose the feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What does this mean practically? So before you start any activity, for one minute in your heart, feel some feeling for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Feel a feeling of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Feel a feeling of fear for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Think of any of his asmal husna. Allah ta'ala's al-kareem, he's been so generous to me, he's granted me everything that I have. Allah ta'ala's as-sattar, he has hidden my sins from my colleagues, my students, my friends, from all the people around me. Think of any one of Allah Ta'ala's attributes and names and you will feel some feeling for him. Or you can reflect on some ayah of Quran like we recited many today. فَإِنِّي كَرِيبُ وَنَحْنُ أَقْرُبُ إِلَيْهُ Allah Ta'ala's many ayat that Allah is with you wherever you are, He's close to you, etc. But do something to feel some feeling for Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala for one minute and then start your activity. Then when you're doing that activity, maybe you're studying, you're researching, you're writing, you're lecturing, then during that, at some point, check your heart in the middle. So, oh, Abdullah, have you gotten so involved in this activity that you lost all feelings for Allah? In the beginning you'll find, yes, I'm so absorbed in what I'm doing, I totally forgot Allah SWT. So pause, and this pause, even if for 10-20 seconds, just feel some feeling again. Then go back to what you're doing. Then again, check yourself. If you keep doing this exercise, this is known in Arabic as wukuf qalbi wukuf from waqaf to pause. Qalb is your spiritual heart, the heart of your ruh. One is the heart of your body, that's for the cardiologist. One is the heart of your ruh, hmm? that is called qalb. So you keep reminding and refreshing your heart to feel some feelings for Allah Taala. If you keep making this exercise for days and weeks, then inshallah there will come a time that your heart will start reminding you of Allah Taala. In the beginning, you will have to remind your heart of Allah SWT. If you keep doing, what does it mean? That you'll be walking on the street, you may be thinking of doing some sin, all of a sudden your heart will remember Allah SWT, you'll feel shame. You'll stop thinking what you're thinking. You were having some idea or some bad type of feeling, all of a sudden your heart will start feeling some feeling for Allah SWT, you will lose the bad feeling. So this is the first type of dhikr that you should do. As much as you can, keep reminding, keep watch on your heart and make your heart always watchful of Allah SWT. And the second thing is a shorter dhikr. And this cannot be done along with studies and working and office and research. This has to be done on, <coughs> dedicated on the musalla, janamas, in the room, in the corner. This you can do for 5 to 10 minutes in the morning and 5 to 10 minutes in the evening. That's it. You won't be able to do it more than this in the beginning. And this is an exercise in Arabic, this is called muraqabah. Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an that He is raqib, He is intensely watchful and vigilant over us. Muraqabah means to make it two-way. That, ya Allah, if you are so intensely aware of me, I also want that a few moments of my day and night, I should be intensely, exclusively aware of you. So in this type of dhikr, what a person does is they sit in any relaxed way, even if you can sit on the chair if you want, and they close their eyes only to cut themselves off from this world. It's not meditation. Because this has nothing to do with breathing, nothing to do with heartbeat, nothing to do with pulse. In this breathing, heartbeat and pulse, all is normal. It's all ghairullah. Your breathing is ghairullah. It's something other than Allah. Your heartbeat is something other than Allah. Your pulse is something other than Allah. 
in this zikr you want to forget all the ghirullah. You want to forget everything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you want to lose yourself only exclusively in His remembrance. That is in Quran called tabakkum. So how do you do this? So number one, Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ فِي نَفْسِكَ And remember your Rabb inside of yourself. تَذَرُّعًا With humility. خِيفَةً Silently, secretly. So you're going to make niyat, I'm doing amal on this ayah. There can be many ways to do amal on this ayah. This is one way to do it. That I'm going to remember you deep inside myself, which means my ruh. Deep inside my ruh, which means my kalb, my spiritual heart. And I'm going to do it silently, secretly, not with my tongue. Internally. And then another, but what will happen is then you'll say, my mind will wander. How do I, what do I need something to focus on? So Allah Ta'ala taught in Quran, وَذْكُرْ isma rabbik And make dhikr of the name of your Rabb. Just focus on that name. And the name of our Rabb is Allah. Allah ism Zad, ism Azim, ism Jalala. So you will just make niyat that from my kalb is doing zikr as if my spiritual heart deep inside me, my core, my ruh, is calling out Allah Ta'ala's name as if my kalb is saying Allah, Allah, Allah. And you just make this exercise for 5-10 minutes in the morning, 5-10 minutes in the evening. If you do this regularly, then you will gradually tune out the other thoughts. So when you first do it, you're going to hear lots of thoughts. That's a good sign. It means that Allah, Allah is trying to find its way. It's kicking out all the other feelings and thoughts. Like we say in Urdu, Jabab, Jaru Dete, Miti Urti. That when you sweep the broom, the dust gets kicked up. When you sweep the broom, the bus gets kicked up. So you're going to be sweeping your heart clean of all of its impure thoughts, impure feelings, whisperings, ideas, fantasies with the zikr of Allah, Allah. So many people sit and say, Oh, I'm doing it right. I start thinking about other things. No, that's a good sign. It's a good sign. It means that Allah, Allah is working. Do it more. The more you get thoughts, the more you do Allah, Allah. It means it's cleaning, it's purging, it's kicking stuff out of the room. And if you keep doing it, maybe you do it 10 minutes morning and evening for 10, 15, 20 days, then you'll have your first breakthrough. First breakthrough means that yes, for one of those 10 minutes, I actually forgot everything in this world. And the only and only thing I was thinking was about Allah Ta'ala's name. And then you keep doing it, then it will happen for 2 minutes. Then it will happen for 3 minutes. Now what is the power of Allah Ta'ala's name? Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, Tabaraka ismu rabbik, Tabaraka ismu rabbik, and full of barakah is the name of your Rabb. Why? Because Allah Ta'ala gave this special name to us called ism zat. What does that mean? It's the ism that leads to the zat, the ism that leads to the musamma. It's the name that leads to the being who has that name. That's the power of this name, Allah. It's the name that leads us to the named one. So if you do zikr of his name, you will be actually be doing zikr of him. So these are the two types of zikr. Anybody can do, and there's no secret society to which you need membership to do the zikr. Anyone and everyone can do zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. These are two ways. So we're going to practice the second one for two, three minutes. And then it's time for Adhan. So close your eyes and bow your head. Try to disconnect yourself from everything in this world and all that it contains. Try to lose yourself exclusively in the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Make niyyah intention that you're doing amal on this verse of Quran. And make niyyah that, Ya Allah, you told me in Quran to remember you in my heart. Silently, secretly, humbly. And Ya Allah, you told me, وَذْكُرْ isma Rabbik to remember your name. Ya Allah, you also said in Quran, فَذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ That if I remembered you, you would remember me. Ya Allah, I ask that you remember me by sending the nur of your hidayah onto my heart. 
the nur of your mercy onto my heart, that you purify my heart of its sins, that you increase my heart in its feelings for you, that you soften my heart towards the deen, and Ya Allah, I make niyat that my kalb, my spiritual heart, is making zikr of your name, as if my kalb is calling out Allah, Allah, Allah. we gather here in this place and let to learn about feelings for you to increase our love for you Ya Allah we ask that you accept this niyat of ours accept this effort of ours Ya Allah we wish that you take out all the unlawful loves from our heart take out all the unlawful feelings from our heart Ya Allah put all the Quranic feelings in our heart put all the Sunnah feelings in our heart put all the feelings for you in our heart Ya Allah Rabbi Kareem we are sick and tired of being unfeeling mu'mineen we are tired of praying unfeeling salah Ya Allah we wish to be near to you, we wish to be kareeb to you, we wish to be close to you, we wish to become loving towards you, we wish to become beloved to you. Ya Allah Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you send your rahmah, your mercy upon us, your karam, your fuzzle upon us. Ya Allah, we ask that you change our hearts. Ya Muqallib al-Qulu, Ya Allah, we ask that you change our heart, that you soften our heart towards the deen, that you incline our heart towards your obedience, that you disincline our heart from everything that is displeasing to you. Ya Allah Rabbi if there's anything about ourselves, anything about our personality, anything about our way of thinking, anything about our behavior that is even slightly displeasing to you, Yallah, we make tawbah of it, we wish to flee from it. Yallah, we ask that you replace it with that which is pleasing to you. Yallah, make us in such a way that you will be radhi with us. Yallah, Bikrim, be radhi with us. Yallah, before we pass away from this earth, before death overcomes us, let death never overcome us until you are already radhi with us. Us. Ya Allah Rabbi Kareem, grant us that life that will lead to your pleasure. Grant us that lifestyle that will lead to your pleasure. Ya Rabbi Kareem, grant us that adab and akhlaq that will earn your pleasure. Ya Allah, we ask that you put the zikr back into our ibadah, the zikr back into our dua, the zikr back into our, our talawa, the zikr back into our istighfar. Ya Allah, we seek your forgiveness for all of the sins that we ever did. We never want to sin again against you. Ya Allah, we ask that you make us and change us into your true, loyal, loving, obedient, sincere servants and slaves and the true, loyal, and loving, and obedient followers of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta samiul adeem wa tubu alayna innaka anta tawabu raheem wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een bi rahmatika ya arhamar rahimeen